As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I hope anybody not stupid enough to write us off. It's two stars time. This is the weekly Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, sorrow in Swansea, two crunch games to preview, jobs for the Agorias, your questions answered, and we'll ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is two stars. Hello, listener. Hope you're well. Matt Davis-Adams here, joined by The Athletic's men in the know when it comes to the two-time European champions. Paul Taylor joins us live from a Swansea hotel room. There's a sentence to make you sad if ever you've heard one. You can't even take your big plate, can you? Because there's no such thing as a, as a buffet in, in COVID times. No, I had a very small plate bought to me and left outside my door this morning. But they were still better than nothing. It was a very nice sausage cob. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it obviously begs the question, ketchup or brown sauce? Uh, brown sauce, every day on sausage. Hmm, strange. Um, got to disagree with you there, but fine. Uh, no episode <laughs> of Two Stars would we be... We could do a com- whole pod on that if you wanted. Uh, yeah, it's kind of somebody else's gimmick. But So you're saying red, star, red sauce on uh, bacon, presumably? Actually, I'll probably go for brown as well. Sorry. <sighs> Crikey. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick Miller's with us too. Nick, I'm sure you've got some pretty strident views on this. Yeah, I mean, this is this very awkward start to the pod, mm. pod with um, Paul being <laughs> so kind of flamboyantly incorrect about these things. Shame. But we, we we go on. Never put sauce anywhere near an egg. If you put sauce on an egg, mm. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, put the sausage in between, act as a breakwater like you would with beans, I get that. Also, I'd like to apologise for calling it red sauce. It's tomato sauce or tomato ketchup, really. Um, we will talk about football shortly. Before we crack on, though, Paul, um, most people listening will know very well who Gary Bertels is. They might not know about his latest charitable endeavour, though, so please fill us in. Yeah, I've known Gary for a lot of years. I used to go write his, his column when I was working in my previous job, and uh, he's a lovely, lovely fella. And his his partner Samantha is is lovely. His wife, uh, unfortunately, she's been fighting pancreatic cancer. Uh, so Gary, uh, well, it's actually one of her friends, uh, Sally, has organised a, a charity fundraiser, a, a charity walk, uh, to help raise raise some money uh, in 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 her name. Uh, it, if you want to donate, you can either follow my my Twitter feed. Uh, I have tweeted it a few times, but it's also on Forest's uh, 
Twitter feed as well. And the actual link, if you can bother to take it down from a podcast, is www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Sally dash Pembleton. That's P-E-M. B-L-E-T-O-N. It's all for a very good cause. They're raising money for Treetops Hospice Care. Yeah, I just wanted to give that a plug because he's a thoroughly lovely fellow and I know he'd appreciate any support that he could get from the Forest family. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're nearly at five grand uh, in terms of the money they've raised. You can also just search Sally Pembleton Just Giving and it'll come up there. And as Paul said, he'll tweet out the link um, as well. So do give some money if you are able to. Uh, Well, we're recording this show just hours after the Reds' agonising defeat against Swansea. Let's discuss that, shall we? And towards Roberts with a header. Oh, they've stolen it at the death, Swansea City. They've been second best for much of tonight. But maybe a sign that this is going to be a special season for Swansea City. Well, Forest at least did an awful lot better on Wednesday night than they did the last time they were at the Liberty Stadium just a few weeks prior. Albeit they were once again beaten by Swansea City. Connor Roberts late header giving the home side the points. That and results elsewhere. I mean, Forrester 18th in the table, five points from trouble, having played a game more than third bottom Chef Wed. Uh, here's a tweet that comes in to us from Steve Battlemuch, which is a fabulous name. He says, it's the old adage, if you don't take your chances when you're on top, you'll normally get punished. We should have won by two or three. We look good tonight in many areas. Garner continues to do the right things. Cafu is consistent. So frustrating in front of goal. Paul, that's not that far off the abridged version of your match report, right? No, <laughs> that's about right. I wish I could have trimmed it down to 60 words. <laughs> uh, I don't want to over the pudding, but I don't think I've ever been more encouraged by defeat. It, it was one of the best performances of the Chris Hewton reign. And, and I, you kind of ended the game feeling really bad for them that they hadn't, hadn't not only got something from it, but probably won because they were the better side. And I think perhaps the contrast between their last visit to Swansea and this one perhaps made it all the more apparent just how improved and how much better this performance was. It, uh, they, they were on top for long spells, they created numerous chances and they didn't really allow Swansea a, a sight of goal until that 86th minute when uh, when, they, when they conceded in such painful fashion. It, it, it really was a, a very, very promising, very, very encouraging performance and while they missed chances and on, on that front you can only... Uh, blame yourselves and say that it's your own fault that you haven't got anything. I think if they play to that level between now and the end of the season, they'll be absolutely fine. Their the, the relegation concerns will end sooner rather than later. I know it's easier said than done to go out and play like that every week, but it really, really was uh, a very positive performance and one that merited far, far more than it got. And I'm sure the journey home on the coach last night will have been a, a sombre one, but hopefully when they get a chance to reflect on the performance, they can actually see that they did all right and, and they've got something to build on if they can carry on and having set the bar now. Yeah, it was a really good performance. Uh, here's Gareth asking, one of the best performances of the season yet yielded no points. Are we happier playing the way we've previously and grinding out results or do we expect performances such as tonight whilst hoping for a win and taking the losses when they come? It's a tricky one that, Nick, isn't it? Given Forrest's position in the league at the moment, you know, would you rather be going for three points and maybe getting on or, or playing for a draw and, and I was going to say slowly inching away from trouble, but that has been very, very slow. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily kind of an, an either-or thing there. I mean, um, th- there are going to be games where, you know, the, the grinding out is necessary. But, and you know, I suppose you might logically have thought that, that, you know, away at one of the best teams in the division last night would have been. But, yeah, I'm kind of simultaneously glad and uh, and uh, annoyed that uh, Paul about what Paul just said because A, I, I was uh, slightly reticent about expressing so much happiness after a defeat so I'm glad he went first on that one 
But <laughs> but he he also said pretty much everything that I, that I was going to say about the game. This and it's it's partly why I think I said on the pod a couple of weeks ago that um, I wasn't concerned in the least about or I wasn't bothered in the least about the the, the beating um, at Swansea in the cup because it just was had no relevance to the sort of uh, all round progression of the team. I think this has been sort of slowly building uh, you know th- th- there have been some very good performances under Hewton and this was kind of it's you know not not necessarily the apex of it because obviously didn't didn't win had a, had a few chances didn't put them away which is obviously frustrating but you can the the the, the encouraging thing is you can see the progression and you know again as as we've said a couple of times this season in terms of you know any kind of hopes of promotion or anyways, obviously a write off from from pretty early on. But if you if we play anything like that for a few games for the rest of the season, not only will we uh, will Forest avoid relegation, but it bodes very well for next season. And it sort of fits with what we were told was going to happen under Hewton, what uh, kind of what happened at Brighton. Bit of a slow start, gradually building, and then, you know, becoming the team he he wants and the, 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 the team he's kind of working towards after six, seven months, something like that. So the performance was good. Lack of goals, though, is a worry. None in the last two. Only 25 in the league all season. And the top scorer in Lyle Taylor, who got the last of his four league goals on the 7th of November... Paul, I don't know if there's a solution to this. Do we do we just fall back on on the old cliche of well, at least we're making chances? There were plenty of those last night. It's just a, a case of somebody sticking them away, or, or is there something more deep rooted behind this? It's curious, isn't it? Because like last season, I think Forest, as we've widely reported in the months since Forest last season, really struggled to create chances at all, and they they literally relied on on Lewis Graben's finishing power to kind of put away one of the couple of chances he'd create they, they didn't score many goals last season either and they actually created I, I haven't got the stats to hand to back this up to hand right now but my gut feeling is is they probably created far less chances last season than they are doing for example in the match last night and somehow they've ended up without a goal I, I think all you can do is persevere and hope that if those chances keep coming somebody's going to put them away Lewis Graben isn't a bad striker Lewis Graben is a, a proven established championship player he scores goals and and I know he fluffed his lines in in one of the key moments last night but I would still be very confident that given further opportunities like that he he would put them away in Glenn Murray uh, in, in, he's had two starts so far and scored two goals and looks a very uh, astute addition even in a, a short space of time Lyle Taylor admittedly he's not got a huge uh, amount of experience at championship level but he is somebody that historically has, has scored goals and you would fancy to continue doing so if he gets opportunities but there, there were so many ooh moments last night so many moments where you, they set, they came so close to scoring you know Knockhart hit the bar he had one or two other efforts that were close Garner had a shot that flew just wide uh, they, they probably had five or six or seven moments that were almost moments. They were almost goals. They were moments where they had real threat and with just a little bit more composure or accuracy, they, they would have found the back of the net. And with the quality of players that Forrest have got, I, I honestly think that if they do keep producing those moments, then sooner or later uh, the, the, the goals are going to come. It's only been a few weeks, of course, uh, since they they beat Wickham 3-0 and you kind of hoped in that moment that that was going to be the point at which they uh, they started scoring goals more freely and Subsequently, they've they've not scored in two, so go show, that goes to show how wrong I am normally. 
Yeah, but it's two, two games against two of the two of the kind of best teams yeah. in the division. And, you know, Bournemouth have, uh, have been a little bit uh, ropey recently, but the the you know, I think my comment to some uh, some friends during the game was during the Bournemouth game about halfway through was uh, we're doing pretty well considering they're obviously so much better than us. And you know, teams stacked with well, which we'll go on to talk a bit more about the Bournemouth game maybe later on. But the team stacked with Premier League players and and. You know, when Forrest drew, it's not those games that Forrest are going to be expected to win for the rest of the season. Get, mm. And get any points from games against teams like uh, Bournemouth and Swansea, then then fantastic. But um, it will be the, the teams in the kind of lower half that we need to be picking up points against and, and we'll be, you know, secure, uh, safe, boring, lower mid-table finish for the rest of the season. Just briefly on Bournemouth then, Paul, you were there. In that instance, the the, the nil in the away sides column was more significant than the one in Forest, I felt. It was about sort of mm. keeping them out. We said we'd, we'd take a draw from that game and, and it was it was a resolute display. Yeah, uh, Forest didn't allow them a single shot on target all game. Uh, they, they had very few sites of goal altogether. There, were, there weren't, there wasn't very often a moment where you thought Forest were going to lose the game. If we're entirely honest, there weren't very many where you thought they were going to win it either. It, it felt like last night's performance was actually a progression from that. They, they had the same defensive resolve, the same organisation, the same discipline, and, and built on it by adding some of their own attacking threat. It was actually a better performance last night, and they got nothing from it. It, it, it was, it was a little bit odd. The Bournemouth game, when you looked at the players involved in the Bournemouth side, I, I think they can take. A lot of credit from a, a nil-nil draw. I know it's probably a sign of where Forest are and, and, and the position they're in because, you know, saying a, a nil-nil draw at home is, is a positive result feels a little bit flat, but that's the truth, you know. Bournemouth are a very good side and Forest this season, if we're being completely blunt, haven't been. They are progressing towards the kind of level you think they're going to be at. Uh, but, but as Nick says, it, it, what matters more is their performances against the, the teams that are in mid-table or or towards the bottom with them. And that's where the next four games feel like they're going to be massive because, you know, they've got Blackburn at home, Rotherham and Derby away, and then Luton uh, at home. And you feel that they've got to get some points from that. They've got to continue their routine of doing well against the teams around them because what comes after that is even more bleak. Uh, back in November, they played six games against the, the, the teams in the promotion race in consecutive fixtures and got one point from it. Well, for the start of March... Uh, they play Watford, then Reading, then Norwich, then Brentford, and then Cardiff in five games against the teams in the promotion race. And if, if they're going to continue their habit of not getting points from uh, teams that are in that fight, then that could be a difficult run of five games. Without being overly optimistic about it, it's an opportunity to put that one to bed. But they could do with getting some points in the meantime from these next four games. Otherwise, there's going to be a huge weight on the shoulders when that, that run of games comes around. Yeah, we'll look ahead to a couple of those games shortly. Before we get to that, though, just a couple of questions on midfield for you, Paul. Here's one from Matt Dockers. What do you think the chances, what do you think the chances are of Forrest securing Garner and or Kravinovic on permanent deals in the summer? It's hard to overstate the impact they've had in midfield. We look so much more accomplished and fluent in recent weeks. Um, my guess on that, Paul, would be that Kravinovic would be easier than Garner, who, who at mm. 19 Man United will probably think we can have another two seasons of sending him out on loan and then make a decision. Yeah, I, I think if Forrest do have any chance of getting Garner again next season, it would be on loan. I, I can't see United, uh, particularly given the performances he's produced for Watford and Forrest, I can't see them being willing just to let him go full stop. Uh, I think they've probably got a, a very good chance of, of keeping him on loan if they look after him. Uh you know, United will see that he's playing games, that he's been looked after and that he's he's been given a an integral role in the side. I, I don't see why, if they want to send him out on loan again, that it, it wouldn't make sense uh, 
for him to come back to Forest next season, unless, of course, they think he's ready to go to a lower-end Premier League club. Uh, let, let's hope that's not the case. But with Kravinovic, yeah, you, you, you do get the feeling that perhaps he's one of those players that is very, very good in the Championship, that's potentially even a, a promotion-winning kind of Championship player, but not quite up to the standard required to, to play regularly in the, in the Premier League. So maybe there is a a good chance that, that Forrest might be able to do some kind of kind of business with him. As ever, it will depend on his wage demands, it will depend on the, the transfer fee they, they're kind of looking at, but but why not? He he already looks like a a very astute signing. I, I actually asked Chris Hewton about the prospects of uh, of keeping both of them in, in his in his pre match press conference and <laughs> he, he he gave a, a very predictable answer of it being very, very early. Uh, very very early to to really talk about the prospects of it happening, but did sort of make positive noises about uh, how Forrest would already you know probably want to try and do something if they could. So it's it's not just us that, he's in, that, that the two of them are impressing. But while we're talking midfielders, no Luke Freeman in the squad against Swansea. Do we know why that was? Is he injured again? Uh, no, no, he isn't. His uh, his his wife gave birth to a little baby the, the day before the game, so they they. The club allowed him to have uh, a couple of days off to spend some time with his new new arrival. Uh, he'll be back. He'll be back in contention this weekend uh, against Blackburn. Yeah. Congratulations, Luke and family. Exactly. He's, he's not injured. He'll be back in the fold this weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Okay, well, there's no let-up in the relentless pace of the championship season. The Reds will play twice more before we next meet. We'll look ahead to the games against Blackburn and Rotherham soon. First, though, a section I'm calling Jobs for the Agorias, because Agoria is the Greek word for boys, you see. Um, In his Monday column for The Athletic, David Ornstein reported that Forrester made a couple of off-the-field additions since last we met. Chief exec Janos Frentzos has hired his father-in-law to take on the rather vague role of facilities manager. Meanwhile, director of football Kyriakos Durekas, apologies for mispronouncing your name, has given a job to his son in the analysis department. Nick, is this harmless nepotism or a threat to the Hewton-Brazil axis around which we've wrapped our hopes and dreams? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, firstly... What's facilities manager? That sounds to me like someone who orders the bog roll. I mean, <laughs> if if it is that, then I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not particularly concerned about it. But um, I, I suppose the you know giving someone a um, someone who is you just know or whatever a job in the analytics department is is a slightly more uh, concerning thing. I don't know. I I think if it was it, the the principle of it is is worrying. 
I think I'd be slightly more concerned if it was, you know, the chief executive or something. But if it's a kind of if they these are relatively minor roles, it's not it's not something to I, I would necessarily lose sleep over. But it the, the the kind of obvious problem is that it's sort of symbolic of a fairly I don't know how do you put it chaotic way that some of the elements of the club are run. So in that in that sense, it's in isolation. I'm not sure it's particularly concerning, but um, as a, as a principle, it's not something you'd want to uh, encourage particularly. No, I don't think so. But Paul, to play devil's advocate, it's probably not that rare in football clubs, is it, for people in positions of power to give jobs to people they know? Essentially, I mean, whether that's to to kind of be their their man on the inside at ground level or whatever, or just mm. helping out family, it's the kind of thing that, that football does a lot no exactly and I, I do agree with Nick in the sense that it would be more concerning if it was a massively senior role but uh, the, the club have said that both are actually voluntary positions and they're, they're not even being paid so uh, if, if that is indeed the case then you know it, it, there's even less reason for concern because it's not costing the club anything in theory uh, in, in actual fact it might be you know family members coming in to do the club a favour uh, maybe I'm painting a far too positive light on it there but I think again as Nick hinted it is because of the bigger picture and the kind of slight mood of chaos that we've seen in, in, in recent years uh, that that this does find itself uh, cast into the spotlight it's perhaps not something you'd even look at in normal circumstances but I think we've just reached a point where we analyse everything now with Forrest just because of, of what's gone before. But, you know, if the end result is that the club does end up being more smoothly run and better equipped off the field to help them achieve things on it, then then I'm all for it. But I, I guess the, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Uh, OK, we'll turn our focus back to matters on the pitch next. By the way, listener, if you're not currently a subscriber to The Athletic, we've got an introductory offer on for you. Half price for an annual subscription. That's less than a pound a week for an entire year. You need to sign up by February the 25th, though. To redeem that limited time only offer, go to theathletic.com slash forestpod. That's theathletic.com slash forestpod. Also, if you could leave us a review, if you listen through iTunes, that would be tremendously helpful too. So, on Saturday, Blackburn Rovers visit the city ground, an opponent who will always make supporters of mine and Nick's vintage shiver at the memory of what Lars Bohinen did at Ewood Park that time. Um, on that note, here's a question. I'm going to put this to you, Nick, because it was before Paul's time covering, covering Forest. What was the aggregate score in the two Premier League games between Forest and Blackburn in the 95-96 season? Can you remember? Uh, now, the away game was 7-0. Mm-hmm. 7-0 or 7-1? 7-0. Steve Jettle was sent off that turned the game. I mean, we were already, what, 4-0 down at that point, but still. <laughs> um, I, I, I actually have no memory of the home game. I assume it was a, a similarly uh, chastening defeat. So I'm going to go 10-0 to Blackburn. <laughs> Even worse than that, uh, in the home game, producer Lucy's favourite Forest player, Ian Wayne, did get a consolation, but it finished... <laughs> 5-1. So the aggregate score in that season was 12-1 for Blackburn. <sighs> Hell's teeth. Uh, I mean, that's got to be the biggest defeat that Forrest have suffered over two games against an opponent ever. But hopefully it's not going to be like that on Saturday. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the to the present day. Forrest only won one of the last five home league games. Haven't scored in each of the last two. We've mentioned the opponents. But, Paul, they, they've got to do something about this this home form, haven't they? You can mention the quality of the opponent all you like, but, but there's supposed to be an advantage to playing at your own ground, even if there's nobody in there to cheer you on. 
I, I will I will start by pointing out that Forrest are already 1-0 up on aggregate this season against Blackburn. So that's that, that's, true, a, that's, yeah. a, that's a positive start. Uh, they, they'd have to have an absolute mare on, uh, <laughs> on Saturday for them to get anywhere near achieving uh, the depths of the, their last uh, aggregate battery. Uh, yeah, again, it just goes back to... I, I don't want to labour the point about their performances being improved, uh, but... But, but it feels like they have been on the right path. I know their, uh, their, their two wins were against Coventry and Wickham away, but I, I, I'm not sure how much home advantage counts for uh, at the minute. It doesn't feel... And I, 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 th- I think the division's stats would back this up to some degree, that there has been a less of a, a, a definite advantage to, to playing at home than there, than there used to be. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like there's much of a difference. There isn't 20,000 people roaring Forest on from the city ground stands. There isn't, uh, you know, a, a small partisan clutch of away fans back in their team. It, it's changed the dynamic hugely. Uh, and I, I, beyond the fact that they haven't had to travel and they're used to having their home dressing room, I'm not sure what an advantage playing at home is nowadays. I, I, I can't wait for the days when fans are back and the whole dynamic changes the game. But for now, I... I it it doesn't feel like there's much difference between a home game and an away game. Uh, having said all of that, hopefully Forest can get back to winning ways against uh, against against Blackburn this weekend. I really actually do fancy them to get a win. Uh, I, I think if they perform to the same level as they did against Swansea, that they'll they'll be just fine, and we'll probably emerge with three points that will make the situation feel a whole lot a whole lot better again ahead of some very tough and 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 what feels like even more important. Uh, away games at Rotherham and Derby. They are games that they really do need to get three points in. Might be a good time to play Blackburn. Paul saying he's predicting a win, Nick. I, I kind of feel similar. Defeated Barnsley on Wednesday night for them, their third in succession, but obviously got to keep an eye on the second top scorer in the championship in 18 goal, Adam Armstrong. And that's somebody who you've written about for the Athletic. Yeah, I did a, a profile of him in January, or maybe just before January. He's, he's kind of one of those players who has uh, kind of promised a lot in previous seasons but this season something really has seemed to click for him partly I think it's because um, he's taken on a more central role previously he's kind of flitted around a a front three but he's been very much centre forward with a you know with a couple of um, players either side of him um, for for most of the season, it's been um, Harvey Elliott, this you know ludicrously talented youngster with similarly ludicrous hair from Liverpool, and that seems to have suited Armstrong, you know, brilliantly from from the start of this season. He's also got an incredibly, based on the the numbers anyway, an incredible relationship with Tony Mowbray, because I can't, I can't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but basically. It, all but about half a dozen of his goals in his entire career have been scored uh, when playing under um, Tony Mowbray. There was um, obviously now at Blackburn and a previous sort of perfect loan spell with Coventry a few years ago in League One. So yeah, I mean, it's it's an obvious point and it's the obvious kind of man to pick out. But if Blackburn aren't going to sort of threaten Forrest, then he's going to be the man to uh, to do it. So after Blackburn on Saturday, start spreading the news. Forrest are off to New York, uh, the New York Stadium, I mean. Forrest face Rotherham 
in Yorkshire. As Paul's mentioned, first game of a massive doubleheader in the space of four days with Derby to come on Friday. Rotherham narrowly beaten at Bournemouth on Wednesday. They go to Norwich this weekend, so a tough run of games for them. Paul, you've got to be impressed with the way they keep pace with teams with far bigger resources than them. Paul Warren never seems to get linked with, with jobs at bigger clubs, which I find surprising. He, he's doing a terrific job there. Yeah, I, I can't remember the time frame of it, but it was certainly two or three years ago, uh, or, or towards the start of his appointment anyway. And I remember talking to him at the city ground. They'd got quite well beaten at Forest, I think, and they were in real peril. And he, he was talking quite... Well, very, very honestly, about how he he didn't really want the job at that point, uh, and and was just kind of doing it because of his love for the club and you know his his, his historic links with the club. And I, I think what they've got there is is almost a perfect fit because they're almost a club that accept that there's a very good chance that they're going to be a yo-yo club between the Championship and League One, and and just kind of cope with that accordingly. I don't know if it's a good existence for fans or, or a bad one. I guess every other year is quite bleak and then every other, the alternative year is, is quite a good one when they're challenging for a promotion again. I, I like them. I like Rotherham. They, 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 they do have a very good ethos. They don't spend beyond their means. They, they live to a budget and they accept the consequences of that. And I think he, in particular, does a, a very good job of, of coping within that. I don't think somehow that Rotherham would be quite the same without him. It wouldn't feel like they were the same club if somebody else was in charge. They're a hard club not to like, but I reserve the right to uh, not like them next Tuesday. <laughs> Just looking at the at the league table, Nick, you feel like, I mean, we're obviously still grouping Forest and Derby and with the teams who, who've got a chance of going down, but Wickham, I think we're getting close to the point where we can write them off and, and the kind of the mood around Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday in particular does give Rotherham some hope that, that maybe they can finish just above that perforated line this time around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Birmingham in, in particular, that the, um, the, the things are have started looking or, or have been looking over the past month or six weeks or so extremely grim. Lost, to, lost the last three games, I, I think... Um, Everyone there is seeing why Ito Karanka can be a quite frustrating manager, to say the least. Um, you know, very sort of slow, ponderous play and um, not much, not a huge amount of imagination to it. Made a few kind of promising looking signings in January, but they don't seem to have made much of an impact at all. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an obvious point just looking at the league table that they're, they're, they're currently second bottom, but. Um, I, I would very much fear fear for them going down. Yeah, as you said, Wickham ten points adrift. I think we can probably write them off by now. Birmingham look the one the ones really in peril to me. Uh, Forest, by the way, have never won at the New York Stadium. They haven't won away to Rotherham since two thousand and two. Two thousand and two, incredible. Uh, let's hope that changes on Tuesday. Uh, right, we're on the home stretch now. Still time for this though. Did they really play for Forest? Absolutely rotten form for both Paul and I in the couple of uh, in the last couple of shows. Nick, over to you. Let, let's hope that there's a, a change in mood this time around because it's been rather sour for the last few weeks as we struggle through your questions. Sour for you. I'm reveling in the glory of having stumped you. <laughs> didn't, didn't I get it right last week? Can, can I just point that yeah, out? Yeah, eventually, but it, it was the George Boateng kind of thing, was it? It was clue four or five when everybody was screaming at their uh, device of choice as they were listening. 
Yeah, uh, you, you've you've really kind of you've set a falsely high bar, I think, with the with the, <laughs> the you know with the the Boateng triumph. Um, but yeah, for for anyone uh, new to this uh, scintillating game, it's did they really play Forest? It is a player who a, a well-known player who uh, spent a brief and or forgettable spell at City Ground. There were five clues, and here is the first one. Okay. In my first senior season, I played in a team alongside Simon Gillett, or Gillett, I, can't, I can never remember. Um, but if I told you any of my current colleagues, it might give the game away. Although, there isn't anyone with the Forest Connection in there anyway. James Coppinger. No, I can see why you went there. That's but, a really um, good shout, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, no, that, I, I, I'm almost tempted to give you half a point for that, because the, 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 you've shown that the working is very clear, but uh, you are incorrect. <laughs> Uh, I think I know this is wrong, but just throw a na- name out there: Lee Martin. That that other one, not the one from 1990. Uh, no, it is not Lee Martin. Can I have another okay, guess second. on this round? No, 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 absolutely not. No. Good lord! <laughs> All right, what's, what's got into you? Just good lord, man. Are <laughs> uh, we going to guess Billy Sharp? Yes. Uh, no, it's not Billy Sharp. <laughs> uh, okay, second clue. Uh, my 19 games for Forest were on loan, and I also spelt. Spent spells on loan at Bournemouth, Oldham, Norwich, Reading, and Aston Villa. Oh, been around. Ooh. You got anything, Paul? I was going to say Machado, but I think we've had him already, haven't we? Gary Gardner. No. No. Anything, Paul? Did did. Did, uh, I'm, t- I'm guessing it's not Ma- not Machado then. It is Machado, no. no. Uh, uh, clue number three, and uh, I was desperately hoping you didn't get uh, the uh, answer from the second clue because I've been looking forward to this uh, third clue. Well, that's good because my head always goes down at this point. I feel like we should probably <laughs> get it at one or two, so I'm ready for a morale boost. Uh, clue three, I have been coached by Stuart Pearce, but not for Nottingham Forest. Yeah, now, that's the classic Miller clue, yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what you've got to you got to you got to think about here is: is this a callback to a previous controversial clue, or am I trying to be clever? Hmm. Oh, so uh... the Oldham loan spell that's really thrown me, Paul. Yeah. Uh, so tell me his loan clubs again. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> Bournemouth, Oldham, Norwich, Reading, and Aston Villa. That's a lot of loan clubs. Jeez, yeah, Norwich, Villa as well. It's always a real trip through the EFL as well, isn't it? Touch a Premier League in there too. Coached by Stuart Pearce. Uh, have you got anything, Paul? No. No, I haven't either. Okay, let's have the next clue. Uh, clue number four I was part of an England squad for a major tournament but I did not make an appearance at that tournament what this is crazy because obviously it's not Michael Dawson because he did that but he never went on loan to Oldham or Aston Villa Um, so it's got to be oh my goodness this is really tricky Paul have you got anything no no, 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 I, I, I was feeling cocky after getting a good guess in in the first round. I thought that was it. And ever since then, my mind's gone blank. 
It's not a left back, is it? Why have I got a left back in my head? That's it. That, I, I, I'm, I'm, don't expect you to answer that, Nick. That's, that's cheating. Let's let's have the final clue and put everybody out of their misery. Final clue. I was a surprise choice for the winning team in a Champions League final. Oh, Ryan Bertrand. Ryan Bertrand. That is oh, correct. Oh, very good. That's really bad that I didn't get in. Yeah, well, I, but from, from that last clue, I, I was... Um, through the ether staring at you Matt that's that's yeah, <laughs> bad you know what really annoys me about Ryan Bertrand is that he played in like I think might even have been a Europa League qualifier or something for Southampton which means that no longer his only appearance in European club football was the Champions League final I just think that would have been <laughs> quite beautiful in right? and of that... itself wow. that was his debut yeah yeah that was his debut in European football I would have refused to play in that year, in that game for Southampton just to preserve the record. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bad back. Sorry. Uh, yeah. This is Mickey Mouse. Uh, he was good when he was at Forest, wasn't he? Paul? I mean, he'd yeah. obviously been good everywhere, but um, I seem to remember him being particularly good at Forest. Yeah. He, yeah, he, 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 part of that carousel of um, kind of decent left backs that filled in for a little while in the. Was would this have been Billy Davis era or uh, first era Billy 10, Davis? 10-11. Yeah. Nineteen yeah. championship games, six yellow cards. Yeah, must have been he, he was very yeah. good. He, he had he had really unusually blue eyes as well, which was I, I know that's a very <laughs> strange thing for me to remember as a football reporter, but it really stood out. It was bizarre. Uh, <laughs> did you drown did you get in lost them? in the what? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I still think about them now. <laughs> we had a lot, it, it stopped halfway through a question because you were just uh, Paul. Paul, you drifted off. <laughs> i got to say, to be honest, there's been a few times in this pub where I've been thinking about what I will refer to as the brown sauce incident. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not particularly happy about. Yeah, that that that, that sounds like it. Well, yeah, all right, well. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't go down that path, Nick. No, it's probably, probably best not. Yeah. 19 England caps, Ryan Bertrand's got. That feels like a long time ago. Last in 2017. Anyway, this is not where you're listening, listener, is it? Uh, we will we will let you get on soon enough. But, Paul, first of all, tell us what you're working on for athletic subscribers to enjoy. I, all I can think about is Ryan Bertrand's eyes now. He's, he's, <laughs> I've got nothing else well, to do. Well, there's, there's a 5,000-word uh, piece in there, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, we're doing a piece on... I, I almost don't want to give it away. Uh, we're doing a piece on cult heroes since the year 2000. I had to pick a forest cult hero. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but all I'm going to say is luminous trainers and ripped jeans. No, nice. I know exactly who that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but uh, yeah, I won't spoil it for the listener, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, Nick, you're a busy man with various items in your intray. Can you tell us some of the current ones? Yeah, um, so it's kind of partly something I've been working on, partly something that went out in the Athletic with a kind of forest connection. Um, Adam Crafton last weekend wrote a, a, a brilliant um, long read about uh, Justin Fashionu. The kind of idea of it was that everyone kind of knows elements of the Justin Fashionu story, um, primarily linked to his you know, premature death in 1998, but not many the, the, the there are aspects of his life that have been uh, to, to say the least underreported um and we are turning that into a podcast which um i have kind of been involved in adapting um it's part of the beyond the headline series from the athletic so uh, i think as things stand that will be going out on monday um it's uh, it would have been just in fashion news uh, 60th birthday um on uh, friday this week so we record we're currently recording on uh, thursday 
uh, Thursday the uh, 18th. I believe his his birthday would have been um, Friday the 19th. So, uh, yeah, I think that will be going out on Monday. Um, so go to Beyond the Headline and your favourite pub, pub provider, subscribe, and that should hopefully drop onto your favourite device then. Well, to read that piece from Paul and to listen to Nick's podcast ad-free, just go to theathletic.com slash forestpod to sign up now. Remember, until February the 25th, we're, off- we're offering new subscribers a half-price annual subscription. That's less than a pound a week for the entire year. Go to theathletic.com slash forestpod for all the info. We'll be back next week with our big derby preview. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. The Athletic.